1: All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Um, today is a pre-Thanksgiving show, of course. We're going to be having Thanksgiving this week, and um, and what does Thanksgiving mean besides we're all supposed to be grateful for things, <laughs> Five things to be grateful for? Um, it also means that then the uh, Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's holidays are not far behind. The end of the year isn't far behind. And um, so when I started thinking about, you know, this is a time when people, Oh, get a bit more stressed out, you know, on top of all the other stress we're dealing with, we now have to get presents and go to parties, and all these things sound like they should be fun, but um, when we're already running almost on empty, it's kind of hard to uh, to incorporate some of these other things in our lives. And, um, and of course, with some of the struggles that, that we've all been having um, during this past year in one way or another... It's, you know, we have to kind of push ourselves to think of things to be grateful for, not that we each don't have things to be grateful for in our life. It's just that sometimes we get into one of those moods of bah humbug. (laughs) Um, I guess I should be grateful for this, but why don't I have this, or why isn't the world like this, or why isn't my life like this? So um, since we're heading into this season of thinking like that, I kind of thought that it would be interesting to do a show on other kinds of endings, and I came across my um, my guest uh, information about my guest, a light up about him that started making me think that this would be, even though it may seem counterintuitive or quirky or um, what am I thinking, um, that in another sense, in a positive sense. But this may be just what we need to stave off those holiday blues and this, you know, thinking about end of the season, end of life, and so on. You'll see where I'm going in a minute. Um, my guest, Russell Shipping, is the author of a book called Our Journey is Our Work, Creating My Obituary. A guide to personal growth. Yes, end of the year, um, death, (laughs) where is she going? Why is she getting so dark? (laughs) But from what I know about my guest, we're going to be uplifted to a much more positive place by the time the show is over, and that's what we need. So, Russell, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Carol. (laughs) <laughs>
2: I mean, I bet you... Tell me that you didn't wonder why I was contacting you um, in in and trying to connect you to Thanksgiving. I
0: thought it was... I thought it was a perfect connection, Carol.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. What are you going to say, right?
0: <laughs>
2: well, all right. Let's start with... Because I usually put my guests on the couch... Um, and let's start with your, what your life is like, what got you to, to write this book, what got you to think about um, in terms, think in terms of obituaries. And I, I love what you um, say, how no one wants to sum up their life by being remembered as a great insurance agent. So tell us about that.
0: Well, Carol, I had been conceived for the sole purpose of being the fourth generation in a family business. Hmm. And from my youngest years, I knew it was my responsibility to be an insurance agent and take over the business for the family. And I didn't realize that I, in fact, had a choice on what I did or what I didn't do. So during 30 years of success in business and making money and buying other insurance agents' agencies, I became more and more frustrated and disillusioned. Uh, you know as Thoreau says the massive men go to their graves with their music still in them mm. well I was aware that my music was in me and that I wasn't satisfied but what really happened Carol was one night I had a vivid dream and I'm in the casket in my local church that I go to and the minister is up on the pulpit and he's pointing at me in the casket and he's saying he was a great insurance agent and I'm thinking hey I don't want to be known as a great insurance agent there is more to life for me me personally than being a great insurance agent and hey I'm not dead and I looked up over the edge of the casket and the good news is the church was full So my family had a lot of friends, obviously. But the church is full, and nobody is seeing me moving, and nobody is responding to me. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So they thought that I was, in fact, dead. Well, I woke up the next morning, and I realized that if I didn't get out of the insurance business, it was, in fact, going to kill me. And secondly there was far more for me to do in life than just being an insurance agent, and it was time to take control of my own life and do what felt good and what felt right to me rather than what was expected of me by my family, by my heritage, and by society. So And many how, old of us, were you,
2: how old were you at this time when you had this dream?
0: I was uh, 42 years old. Okay. So I had been in the insurance business a long time, uh, and I've been very successful at it. I just wasn't satisfied, and as I got older, I could feel that dissatisfaction coming. But as so many people that I work with, society expects certain things of us. Our family expects things from us, and nobody likes people to take a risk and go off and do something different Mm -hmm. so that there are all of those social pressures that sort of keep us in line and that's okay except when we have music in us and we want to do something different and we're not satisfied. Uh, So many people, Carol, as as you know better than I, self-medicate They look forward to the weekend. They hate going to work. They have awful interpersonal relationships at work because of their frustrations. And it's really no way to live this life. Yes. And you got sick. I had kidney disease twice. And I'm one of the people who believes that illness is also a message Uh, your body's giving you a message about stress and perhaps climbing the wrong mountain. Mm -hmm. So that if we turn around and if we do what we're meant to do and what feels good to us and, and live a more joyous life by following the path that feels right, we can be a lot happier, we can reduce our stress, We can give back to the world better than we are doing now. And in the end, we create an obituary which we're proud of, Carol. Okay. By seeing my obituary made me realize that it wasn't the life that had value for me. And as people are frustrated, when they realize that, Every day we're writing another slice of our obituary. And I like to have people write their obituary every year by Thanksgiving.
2: Wait, wait, before we get before we get into that though, um what I'd like to know is how did you um go from having this epiphany to um to making you know, what did you do next after you woke up that morning?
0: Okay. After I woke up that morning, Carol, I made a decision. I made a decision that morning. And that decision was I was going to get out of the insurance business. I was going to sell the 100-year-old family business. Now, the decision was immediate. It took me three years Mm
2: -hmm.
0: to polish the apple to put it together in a package, to quietly market the business, find the appropriate person to buy it, negotiating the deal, and then actually affecting the transfer of the business. Hmm. So it was three years in executing the decision that was made that morning when I awoke.
2: And and were you married?
0: I was married.
2: So what did your wife say about all that? Did you tell her that morning?
0: I told my wife. We we told the kids later on. uh, But I told my wife, and I had my father, who was third generation in the business, Mm. and I did not tell him that day. But as I started to work on it, I told him what I intended to do. Now, you can legally own a family business, but morally... The elder statement, mm. statesman still owns it, so yes. I did have to go to him, explain to him that I wanted to sell it, and he reluctantly uh, gave me his blessings to do it.
2: Yeah, that must have been really hard because I guess he thought that you were gonna that your children were going to keep it going.
0: Yeah, he expected to one personally die at his desk because Mm. that was his goal in life, and he certainly expected one of my children to follow me and carry the name on.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So that was difficult, uh, and I had relatives who were upset that how could he not continue running the the family business. That was exactly 100 years old, Carol, when I sold it.
2: Wow, wow.
0: But I realized that my life was far more valuable to me and my family than owning a family business for 110 years before it killed me.
2: Yes, and, you know, I guess the irony to this was that um, you sold, uh, well, I don't know what, what kind of life, what kind of insurance you sold, but I imagine one of it was one of the kinds of life insurance. Correct. So it's sort of ironic, you know, Mm -hmm. that here it was killing you and, um, and, and (laughs) you were selling life insurance to other people.
0: That's right, Carol. And, and I truly enjoyed serving the people and I still hope, help on a, on a coaching basis people who were in fact my clients. I'm just no longer working with the, Details of the insurance contracts and negotiating premiums for the people
2: mm-hmm. okay, so um, so so now take us along with your ship, so it took you the three years and you found someone um, who you who you entrusted with it as well as making a good deal <laughs> and then what
0: okay, then I had to consult with them for a three-year period mm, uh, mm. doing the transition because it was a personal service business. Mm. Uh, but during that point in time, I st- started working more with other people on other than insurance things, and I started to do a little bit of speaking, and I was also doing a lot of uh, nonprofit fundraising Uh for several different hospitals in the uh, providence Ronald McDonald House. So uh-huh. I followed one of my passions, which was helping the less fortunate, and my skill was an ability to go out and ask for money asking for donations. Uh, I guess I was sort of unique in that I love to go out and ask people to give us a million dollars. Very few people like to ask anybody for a million dollars, Yes. And I realized that people are proud to be asked for a million dollars mm. that you think that they can give it. Mm. So during that period of time, that adjustment time, I was out starting to work with and helping other people and I was starting my first book which is My Journey is Our Work.
2: Uh huh.
0: And it is The From There.
2: And, and, you know, was your wife nervous? How are you going to support us? Were your children nervous? I mean, what's daddy, daddy's going to write a book and he's going to go speak and he's going to ask other people for a million dollars. What's he going to, how is he going to support us?
0: Well, actually my wife was in fact very concerned. She was supportive, but she was concerned and she was very cautious. And when I sat down and we, we took the children out to dinner, And I told him what I was going to do. And my youngest daughter, who is a little bit of a character, called me up the next day and she said, Russell Robinson, she said, I'd like to have an appointment. And I said, yes, Catherine. She said, about shortchanging your favorite daughter's wedding. Well, during the dinner, she asked if we were going to be poor. And I said, no, of course we're not going to be poor. As a matter of fact, I've put X number of dollars away for when you get married. So the next day she called me up teasing to tell me that I hadn't put enough money away for her wedding, which (laughs) was going to be 10 years later. And when she did have the wedding, Carol, she was right. The number I had given her was not enough money. But the the children were nervous, my wife was nervous, but they also knew that it meant a lot to me, and they also knew that I had always provided for them. So you can, I guess part of the message, Carol, is you can in fact change by doing it properly, uh, and you can still in fact earn money and take care of your obligations. I'm not saying one should just turn around, wake up in the morning, and quit their job and and head off without any means of support, but Mm -hmm. they can make the decision to change.
2: And so uh, was your wife working at the time?
0: No. No, she has not worked out of the house uh, since the first child was born.
2: Uh Uh-huh. And she still didn't, even after you sold the, the insurance business? Correct. Hmm. Is that because your children were still so young when you did this, or why did she not, if she was concerned, why did she then not go to work?
0: She wasn't that concerned, Carol.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess this would be a good um, place to take a break, and then when we come back, you can start... uh, telling us about, um, about your book and about the things that you talk about, um, you know, how people can go about creating the obituary that they would like to have uh, left about them, that they would like people to read about them. Um, my guest is Russell, Russell Shippy. He's a very brave and interesting man. <laughs> and um, his book is called Our Journey is Our Work, creating my obituary a guide to personal growth so when we come back we'll hear more about uh what what you do next after you uh after you (laughs) sell your business and tell your family that uh that everything's going to be okay you're listening to dr carol's couch and um i'm your psychiatrist host dr carol lieberman and we'll be right back
1: And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times, www.drcarol.com.
2: Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman with my pre Thanksgiving show. Um, since we're all consciously or unconsciously thinking about endings, dreading the ending of the year, asking ourselves, you know, November is almost over, what happened to November? What happened to two thousand and eleven? and of course we're because of all the superstitions and um well, depending upon <laughs> Uh-huh, and prophecies and whatever, uh, we're sort of somewhat um, uh, cautious about heading into 2012. And so um, so we're talking about obituaries today, but in a positive sense. We're talking about how to create a positive, a good obituary, one that you're proud of. My guest is Russell Shippey. His book is Our Journey is Our Work, Creating My Obituary, A Guide to Personal Growth. Now, before we get into the process, um, Russell, um, you there's you reminded me during the break about um about alfred Nobel who um who who was triggered to do great things because of an obituary. So tell us the story.
0: Well, Alfred Nobel was the person who invented dynamite. And of course, dynamite has caused a lot of damage and hurt a lot of people. So his brother passed away. And he woke up the next morning and got the morning newspaper. I think it was in Paris. And the headline was, Merchant of Death Dies. And it was not his brother's obituary, but it was his obituary. And it talked about him being a merchant of death, having invented dynamite. And he decided that he did not want to be known as a merchant of death, And he wanted his life to mean a lot more than just creating dynamite and killing people. So he ended up leaving his money and creating the Nobel Peace Prize, which obviously is still given out to this day. So in his seeing of what other people were going to say about his death, he turned around and changed his life and how he used his money so he could, in fact, create something of value so that when he did die, when his obituary was published, it was something that he and his family could be proud of.
2: Yes, yes, that's so fascinating. So go ahead, tell us about, about you know, what you're trying to do, your passion, that you, you know, creating, recreating your obituary, um to be something that reflects what you're passionate
0: about. Well, Carol, as I've worked with people, uh, there's a saying that the two greatest regrets at the end of life are things not done and risks not taken. And so often as I talk with people and work with them, uh, many of them being small business owners also, uh when they have that yearning, that desire to do something different, the the feeling that their life is not fulfilled, too often there is such a fear built up in them that they are not willing to make a change. They're not willing to, to risk it, what their family would say, what society would say. Uh, My gosh, you're successful if you change. What if you fail? What will other people say? Well, I have found to help people get over that hump, we have them write their actual obituary as it exists today. And we're all going to have one. It really is not optional. Mm -hmm. So in many respects, it's very good to write it ourselves every year, and I like to do it by Thanksgiving, so that one, our family can see it, but two, it's really a report card that we are writing for ourselves as to what we have accomplished this far in life, and then every year, what did we do in the past 12 months that we can, in fact, be proud of. Now, I love
2: think... that. I think that that's fabulous. A fabulous idea for people to um to do and to read around the around the Thanksgiving table. I mean, yes, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, "Oh god, what a morbid idea." But actually, um you know, actually I think it's a wonderful idea and and you're not just talking about, I presume, the accomplishments that people have made in terms of their work or, you know, but also like uh what nice things they did for people or, you know, or charity or things like that.
0: It is their personal growth, that which they are proud of and would like to be remembered for. Now, Mm -hmm. in our family, we don't have everybody bring their obituary with them, but Mm -hmm. we do go around the table every year and everybody contributes something that they feel good about, that they did or accomplished a a goal that they reached in the past year. And and the best example, because this is a personal family example, Carol, Mm -hmm. is when my daughter got married and her husband came to his first Thanksgiving, he saw us go around the table. And the next year when we went around the table, he said, you know, last year I was... I was very nervous and concerned. He said, but I started off the year knowing that I was going to report today. Mm-hmm. And it helped me accomplish what I'm going to tell you. Huh. Because I knew I had to report it. I want, this is him speaking, John, I wanted to feel good about myself and what I had to report to you. But because I was reporting, because we were going around the table, I was able to do a little more this year than I realized. Mm. So it's, it's your own personal growth and accomplishment, and it's a chance to celebrate it with family. It's a chance to help motivate each one of us to move forward the next year. So that by looking at it every year, realizing where you are and your own level of satisfaction, I find that this report card is the thing that personally motivates people to take a little bit of risk to push themselves. I I can't push them, Carol, and you can't push them. But when they look at that, they get empowered and inspired to move themselves a little further along. And all you need is one year and another sitting down at the Thanksgiving table and being able to say, I did X, that empowers them to move forward to the next year. And every year we have a chance to improve our obituary. So if we don't like what we've done so far, if we think we could have done more, we have an opportunity to look at it and to change it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: If we don't like what we see, and we're the ones writing it, if we don't like what we see, the great news is today we are still alive And today, we can, in fact, make the decision to change it. We can then work to create and follow the plan over the next 12 months to, in fact, affect those changes in our lives.
2: Uh Uh-huh. I think that's a great idea. And, it, of course, it ties into gratitude because there's the other side of it, which is, Whatever I've accomplished or feel good about, um, you know, I'm grateful, if you want to say to God or to the universe or to my family, to the, my coworkers, you know, grateful to the people who helped me along the way to achieve this.
0: Carol, when you sit down and truly focus on it, I find people are amazed at how much they have to be grateful for. Uh, some of the good luck that came their way, people that came into their lives at the right time to help them, the personal satisfaction they received from having the opportunity to help someone else. And you set your objectives and so often life comes to meet you in those objectives and gives you a chance to accomplish them, and gives you a chance to shine. Mm-hmm. So that you know, they say, live your life so that you don't have to hire Paul Barris.
2: Wait, wait. <laughs> oh, so you mean that there are there are so many people who want to be Paul Barris? You don't have to pay them to do pay people to do that. Is that exactly.
0: What you, mean? you have friends, people that you've helped, that people that you've worked with. Uh, you've created some great relationships, people that feel grateful for you having been part of their lives. Mm-hmm. And as, as people, particularly around Thanksgiving, because of all of those stresses that uh, everybody lives with during the holidays, it really is wonderful to sit back and take a breath with a piece of paper and, and start to make some notes because it helps to ground people, um, and it helps them to get through the the pressures and uh, sometimes the craziness of the holidays that we're going into.
2: Yes, you know it's so interesting because when you think about how um, you were saying that you you were the fourth generation um, in the insurance business in your family, and. Um, In a sense, you've been, you know, this whole idea of life and death and obituaries, um, you've been very conscious of since you were growing up, you know, because of selling life insurance and because of dealing with families who are cashing in the life insurance of a loved one when the loved one dies. This is something that you've been very attuned to. Well,
0: Carol, I was attuned to that, but what was interesting was I was not attuned to the fact of, free will. I was yes. attuned to there were certain expectations of me as a member of the family and the obligation to fulfill those roles that were set for me, even if they weren't the right ones for me.
2: Yes, yes. And I
0: think if we look, a lot of parents and spouses pigeonhole their children or their spouses, um, sometimes in ways that are really not healthy and good for the person themselves, and they're not strong enough uh, to turn around and say, hey, this really isn't a fulfilling life for me. I need to do something else to feel good about what I'm doing. And, and I'm not yes. saying everybody should change their job, Carol, What I'm saying is that they should be satisfied and get satisfaction from what they're doing and feel good about it. And if they don't, then they need to look at what changes can they make that would be positive for them. Now, it may be a change of occupation. It may be helping people on weekends. It may be getting a degree in something. Uh, It doesn't have to result in the change of an occupation. Yes. Mine just, in many respects, my occupation didn't change that much, Carol, because in the insurance business, I was out working with and helping people, and I was helping them personally as much as I was with the insurance. Hmm. So when I changed, I was still out working with and helping people I just dropped the drudgery of insurance contracts uh, and selling the insurance end of it. I was still working with and helping people, just in what I felt was a more meaningful way for me personally.
2: Yes, because um, selling people insurance, you did wind up uh, finding out about their life and their family and I could see that, that you would become in the role of an advisor of sorts, or you'd be talking about their their expectations and things like that.
0: Correct. And when you're selling life insurance, you get into all the dysfunction of families and inheritance and who wants to do what for who and who do I want to exclude and why don't I want mm. to do something and, you know, all of that uh, All of that negativity has an opportunity to come to light in those discussions.
2: Yes, yes. Um, You know, one of the things that I do is that I'm a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness. And um, in the last five years or so, there has been an increase. I I work in all kinds of cases, civil cases and criminal cases. And um, in the last five years or so, I've noticed that there has been an increase in the number of Will contestation cases um, families or people uh, arguing about um older people's wills and and uh, I mean you know I guess because our society is getting older and so on but and also because of the economy, people being more more fearful about money but um yeah so i mean and and then their fears about death would have come up in terms of you're talking about them about insurance too in the same way i mean now you're sort of turning it around and making it a positive thing like you were just talking about um making adding to your obituary every year and a po- thinking of that as a positive sense building your life really
0: correct and and you're right it is so interesting seeing the conflicts that come up in this day and age around wills and life insurance, inheritance, and uh, my just do versus your just do. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, there's probably going to be more and more opportunities for you to testify uh, sure. in those cases.
2: Yes. Well, we need to take another break. Um, my guest is Russell Shippey. His book is Our Journey is Our Work. Creating my obituary, A Guide to Personal Growth. It's all very interesting. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Stay tuned. I'm your psychiatrist, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times, www.drcarol.com.
0: The Internet's number
2: one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you about uh, giving you a free Thanksgiving treat Um, free Thanksgiving advice. In any case, I don't know how many of you are thinking it's a treat, but I'm finding it a treat to talk with with my guest, Russell Shippey. He is the author of Our Journey is Our Work, Creating My Obituary, A Guide to Personal Growth. And he's now going to tell you about the next book that he's working on, um, which, of course, flows right from this one. So go ahead. I, I think it's a great title.
0: Well, the title of the book that's in process right now is Does your bucket list leak? And what that does, Carol, is after people write the obituary and see the satisfaction, the dissatisfaction, what they're grateful for, they need to be able to put down in a process where they want to go and what they want to do. And our life should be an exciting adventure. And whether we die at 30 or 50 or 80 or 110, I think we need to die with a full in-basket and plenty of things that we have done and we are still in the process of doing. Mm -hmm. So keying off the movie, The Bucket List, which I'm going to assume that many of your readers, uh, listeners have listened to, the two men who were told they were going to die soon, and they made a list of things that they wanted to do before they died and went and climbed a mountain and did all of these things. Now, the the interesting thing is, one, they, they made the bucket list, but two, as it came closer to the end, one of them realized first that the most important thing really was family, relationships, and other people. Uh, meant a little more than climbing the mountain, and that's when the movie turned. Well, we use the analogy of the bucket list, but we work with people to fill the various buckets in their life. Uh, sure, exciting adventures that people want to do, but, you know, there's a bucket of what I want to earn, what I need to earn, what I want to have in savings, um, and that's part of a life plan that we need to review each and every year. So finance is a bucket. Personal growth, what do I want to do to improve myself? That's another bucket. The family is a bucket. The community and giving back to the community is another bucket. And, you know, the work, the occupation that you have, uh, that's yet another bucket. But in this bucket list process, we fill all of those various buckets with our wish list each year, and we address and readdress every year because it's a changing and it's a fluid process.
2: Uh-huh.
0: But we then take and put on a lifeline those items in the bucket list. What because, do you mean? Please? What do you mean? Okay. You have X number of trips. You want to get a college education. You want to earn X number of dollars. Will You take all of those items, and then by putting them out on a lifeline... What I'm going to do when, mm. you automatically are able to select and distinguish between various ones. Because if I want to get a college education, a degree in something, am I going to go full time right now or am I going to do a part time? How many years is that going to take on my lifeline? How does that affect my earnings? And all of a sudden, using this process, it gives a person a picture at a point in time of where the different things fit in that they want to do in their life. So they can create a high-level plan as to what fits in what year. And As you work on these various buckets and then as you apply them to your lifeline, all of a sudden your life becomes more exciting right before your eyes because you can actually see it and you can visualize it and you can decide. My wife and I always wanted to do a semester abroad in Paris, Well, when we went to college, the college students didn't go abroad. Mm -hmm. So when I sold the business, we took six weeks and finally did our semester abroad. Mm -hmm. That just happened to be 30 years later than, you know, some of the uh, college students would do it today. But it is so interesting, Carol, creating your life every year and putting those key components into a lifeline so you know when you're going to do them. So it's, it's adventures, but the bucket list process also helps in your financial planning. What do I have to do now and in the next 10 years to accomplish some of the personal goals I have going after that.
2: You know, I think that I really can relate to what you're saying because I was mentioning my hat, the one thing that I do, one of the things that I do as an as an expert witness, and for every case, I make a timeline or a lifeline. Mm-hmm. This, of course, this is not going forward. This is going back to understand the person's life better and understand the case better and so on. But, you know, um, so I'm very familiar with with the concept of doing a, a lifeline or a timeline, but it's it's so interesting because I think um that makes so much sense because what what people tend to do is to have all these wishes, fantasies, trips that they want to take or other things they want to accomplish, or you know money a certain amount of money they want to make or whatever and they they think I'll do that someday. And when you start putting it on a timeline, um, you realize that, you know, you have to get going on some of these wishes, um, that you, you know, some degree that you want to earn, whatever it is. Um, you better get going on it um, at a certain pace or else you're never going to get all these things done that you want to put into your life altogether.
0: Carol, you, it, it, you're so right. It boils down to, having a plan and taking action. Uh, And it is a timeline. I call it a lifeline. But by once a year looking at that lifeline, what did I do this year that I set out to do? What am I going to put on my lifeline for next year? Because you do it at the 30,000-foot level, and then when you're looking at the next 12 months and the 12 months after that, you refine it. A little more so you can it actually becomes your goals and objectives for the upcoming year because in the Christmas holiday when people get together for a big meal I like to go around the table again Carol and say what are your top two goals for the upcoming year
2: mm-hmm.
0: because people will remember the goals and then they report on them at Thanksgiving time. And by reporting uh-huh. on them, they want, they want to make sure that they accomplish them because they've made it public. Here's what I want to do. But it's announcing it to family, but it's also announcing it to yourself because you took the time to go through the process and then you had some clarity on what you wanted and then you're more apt to succeed. There was a Harvard Business School study about people with goals, and I think it said that at retirement age, the 3% of the people that had written goals were 10 times more successful, had 10 times more money than the people who did not write their goals. Mm. Yes,
2: that makes sense, right? It does. Yes, because that's by writing them down, and of course, there's even the recommendation that you put it on cards. You know, put it on your mirror where you that you have to look in every morning when you brush your teeth. Uh, the more you can see your goals, you know, the more you put them in places that are where you're going to see them to remind yourself of them. The more effective that is.
0: Correct, and it it is such an overwhelming task to look at your obituary and then to fill those buckets and do a a lifeline or a timeline. Uh, People just think it's overwhelming and don't do anything. But if you can take a form and go step-by-step through it, the form actually guides you uh, to your answers. And all of a sudden it becomes very crystal clear um and the sort of an empowerment people have when they're writing their own plan and it makes sense to them. It feels
2: good yes. to them. Yes, absolutely. Well I'd like to thank you um Russell Russell Shippy. Um, for being on the show today. You know, I just had a feeling this was was right for pre-Thanksgiving. I didn't quite know exactly how it was going to come together, but it did. And these are very wise pieces of advice that you've been giving us. And um, let me tell everyone, now: where can people get the book, Our Journey is Our Work, Creating My Obituary, A Guide to Personal Growth?
0: They could get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or they could go to my website, www be the best you can be.net, be the best you can be.net, or just google Russell Shippey and if they order the book from the website uh I'll send them the workbook at no additional charge and they can sign up for a weekly positive focus newsletter and that's free and has been going out for a number of years just an inspirational piece to move you to action each week.
2: Well that sounds fabulous. And again, the website is be the best you can be dot net. And uh it's Russell Shippy, S H I P P E E. So thank you, Russell, for being a guest on Dr. Carol's couch. Thank you all for listening. Um, uh, this is some really good food for thought when you're <laughs> when you're at the Thanksgiving table this week. Um, these would be good things to talk about. The, the goals for the next year, the writing the obituary, telling people, suggesting it for next year too, that, uh, that you see how far you've come in adding to your obituary. I mean, you'll certainly, you'll get a, you'll get a bunch of uh, anxious laughs probably at the beginning, but then people will talk about some really deep things, the goals that they've had, where they feel they are in their bucket list, or along their goals, or along their lifeline, you know, what, what else they want to get in, before it's too late, and that kind of thing. It seems like a much more profound um, topic of conversation than what Kim Kardashian is doing. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you all for listening. I'm grateful for all of my listeners. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.